Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good morning, this is Sanjay Ture, and welcome back to another episode of Tuesdays with Corey with our host, Corey Rick. Who do we have in the station today? Well, Sanjay, we have Christina Rudes, who is the designated agency principal of Brightway Insurance out of Marietta. Christina, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Christina, you have uh, a great deal of experience uh, dealing with people and helping them uh, from a customer service perspective. Tell us, uh, tell the listenership how you ended up uh, becoming an owner of, uh, of Brightway Insurance and, you know, sort of what, you know, what the steps were t- for you to get to that point. Great. I'd love to tell you that story. So, yes, I have years of experience taking care of people, customer service-wise. Uh, it actually started, believe it or not, when I was 18, I had a job at SeaWorld. And I worked in what was then the Japanese village with the divers and everything, if anybody's familiar with that. Um, mostly retail, uh, help people pick out jewelry and things like that. And then I, um, when I went to school at San Diego State, I got a job in the laboratory and I started taking care of patients. And it was started as simply as um, greeting them when they came in, made them comfortable, got them prepared. So, um, what kind of laboratory? It was a medical laboratory in a hospital. Uh, you know, when you have to go get your levels checked for for um, physicals or if you have a, a health issue that you're monitoring. So I learned a lot uh, about how to take care of people where they are um, in that space. So, um, you know, that led to another job, led to another job. And one day I found myself doing a lot of customer service in a call center, um, translated into a sales role. And um, from there, uh, it just really took off. You know, you just, you just, learned a lot about the different types of people and and honestly you have to to meet them where they are and take care of what they what they need so you've mentioned this uh you made this made the comment of taking care of people where they are is there any translation um of your experience there into what you're currently doing at brightway yes absolutely so brightway is a you know it's a franchise we have the uh, brightway the fitzpatrick agency our Offices located in Marietta, and essentially we um, we help we help customers get the very best coverage for their needs. Not everybody fits into a box, and so in order to help people where they are, we really need to know who they are and what they need. Oh, that's really important. So it sounds like you take a, a good bit of time with people to kind of understand uh, if you can help them, and, and if so, you know what the steps are. Right. Uh, I think the personalized service is really important. It's something certainly that I look for when, you know, when I'm looking for something. Right. Um, you know, it's important to get your questions answered. And, you know, somebody that gets their questions answered is in a much better position to figure out, hey, do we need these services or, or some uh, derivative of that? Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of saying not one size does not fit all. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays people expect a choice. Yes. And, uh, they can, it's not just a yes or no, I, you know, I, I need this or I want this. It's, do I need this specific thing, this specific brand? Um, and, you know, you, you talk about helping people where they are, and it's really about understanding who they are and where they are. And uh, you can't make any assumptions. 
you know, you, you really have to sit down, have a conversation, if possible, look them in the face or at least talk to them on the phone to understand uh, where, where they're at. How did you decide to get into the insurance industry? Well, so in, in Southern California, uh, you know, I spent a great many years uh, working with customers, patients, uh, doctors, office You grew managers. up there, right? I did. I did. And you left. Yes, willingly. I left willingly. Uh, I, I willingly left San Diego to, uh, to move across country. Well, I've heard that that's a, that's a great place. I've, I've not been. Um, anyway, back to the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you decide to start helping people with insurance? Well, honestly, you know, as, as, as happy as I was in Southern California, and I, was, I had a great job, I had a great um, setup uh, village-wise, I had friends and family and everything. And one day I, I just realized I was burnt out. I was, I was burnt out on doing what I had been doing for many years. How did you get there? How did you determine that you were burnt out? Well, I have, uh, I have two young kids. Uh, they are now. Okay. Dumb question. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I, I just, I, I don't I'm not really sure what clicked. I just realized that I didn't feel like I was making a difference and I wanted to wake up every day and, um, be excited or be passionate about what I was going to be doing. I wanted to get up every day and say, I get to do this. And what I found out was I was feeling more like, I have to do this, you know, and there was, it was, there was nothing wrong. There was That's nothing a big wrong. difference. There is a big difference. And when you realize that you, you know, a lot of people, you, you know, you go on social media and you see all these memes about, Oh, Monday, you know, there's nothing worse than finding out your nothing ruins a Friday more than finding out it's only Tuesday. And it's like, no, we should be excited every day to wake up. Well, I think, uh, you know, knowing you for, uh, the time that I have, you seem, uh, highly engaged, uh, in your life. And I think that that, uh, I, I would feel, I feel the same way that you do about memes that you get on, you know, Tuesday saying, oh, it's only, I thought it was Friday, but it's only Tuesday. I mean, I enjoy every day for whatever it's worth because at some point, one of these days is going to be your last one. Right. And I wouldn't want to have wasted the day, uh, you know, th- wishing it was some other day. Correct. Absolutely. So, you know, when I, when I realized that that's what I was feeling and I was trying to make small changes to see if it would actually make a difference. And I was looking, you know, on on the one side I was saying, Hey, you know, do what you love. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Keep trying, try new things, you know, do things that you're not, you're not normally doing. And then I would look in the mirror and I said, wow, I've been doing this for 25 years. So I'm saying one thing, but I'm not actually trying it myself. When did you come to that realization? Um, Probably, 2016, end of 2016, beginning of 2017. Was there a series of events or was there a sort of a jumping off point where you realized, okay, uh, hey, I'm at this sort of impasse? Yes. Um, <clears throat> there were some life changes going on in, in my life. And uh, again, it was, you know, you you read a lot of books, you see a lot of things happening. I was watching people take big giant leaps and uh, struggling for a little while and then coming out the other side and everything was good and the you know they're they just seemed different and different in a good positive way and how I, so um they seemed excited about what they were doing and yeah. even if they were trying something and it wasn't exactly what they thought it was other good things happened and again it was one of those things where i would read a lot and i would say change is good change is good but then i wouldn't 
do anything to change. And even a small change was better than where I was at, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. I think that uh, it sounds like you had a lot of very, very good experience uh, learning how to deal with people. You're obviously very, very uh, outgoing, very good with people. And did that help you to do what you're doing now? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, um, I, you know, I, I say this and it, it sounds a little, it sounds a little bit simplistic, but I genuinely like people for who they are. Even Yeah, I get that loud and clear. Yeah. Even if they're not people like me. So, you know, when you, when you do certain things, you want to be around like-minded people. You want to be around people who do things the same way you do or think the same way you do. Um, but I find that I actually learn more and grow more when I'm with people who are not like me, um, who are either completely opposite of me or, you know, just fundamentally somewhere something's just a little bit different. Um, I'm intrigued uh, because for the most part, I, I, I honestly believe that people are genuinely good. They genuinely want to do the right thing. They just have different ways of doing it. I think you have to believe that. Otherwise, you're going to be frustrated. Absolutely. And I... When I meet people, I always assume the best and I think the best and I'm rarely disappointed. I'm rarely disappointed, which is, which is, I think, an, an, an awesome thing for, to be able to say, you know, uh, and to believe, you know, of course I've met a few people, uh, along the way that maybe that's not true, but, um, well, I think you're, if you're out meeting enough people, uh, eventually that's going to happen. It doesn't have to be anything other than, uh, okay, well, hey, here's a person we don't exactly share the same beliefs. It uh, mm -hmm. doesn't make me right and them wrong. It just, it is. Correct. And you decide how to spend your time accordingly. Correct. And I find that um, a couple of years ago, you know, you talk about what are the things that made you get here. I, I had very, I had I had ideas of what I expected my life to be. I expected to get up, you know, grow up, get finish college, get married, have 2.5 kids, maybe drive a Volvo. And uh, so you're short 0.5 of a kid. I'm short 0.5 of a kid. I have actually a dog. I don't know if he counts as 0.5. He's actually um, bigger than both my kids. So he might what be. What kind of dog? He's a chocolate lab. He is a. So he must like the hot lunch program at the Roots residence. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's always scooping them off the table whenever I put it out. So Well, that's a great those are great dogs, really a great disposition. Oh, he is the sweetest dog. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? His name is Rocky. Rocky Rudes Fitzpatrick. So, uh we he was actually we adopted him. He's 2 years old and every bit of puppy uh still left in him. He's really good with How kids. much does he weigh? Believe it or not, he weighs 110 pounds. He, came, he doesn't go by any food that he doesn't like if yeah. he weighs 110 pounds. Yeah. You know, he's just a big dog. It's funny. I'll put food in his bowl and he'll, he'll eat it when he's ready. He's not, he's not a scarfer by any, by any stretch. He, yeah. He's, you know, he's, I, I call him a mindful eater. He knows when he's hungry and he yeah. eats. He's just, a, he's just big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Great dogs. And, and I think that we can learn a lot from them and how joyful they are and, and how much they really like people. And, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, just love the labs. They're really good, really good little dogs. Yes. Well, absolutely. your dog's not little, but no, he's not. So growing up in, in Southern California, what was that like? 
72 and sunny most days. Yeah, thanks for that. Because yeah. I grew up in I grew up in Minnesota where it was below zero, it seemed like nine months out of the year. Uh, but I've heard great things about the San Diego area. I you know, I've not been, but uh, so what activities were you in and, and you mm-hmm. know, kind of how did, you know, how, what uh, activities did you participate in high school and college and so yeah. on? So, uh, you know, believe it or not, life in San Diego is not all that different than life in Atlanta in certain in certain aspects. So minus the humidity, minus the humidity and the bugs and believe it or not, the traffic, the traffic, though though there is a lot of traffic in Southern California, it's different. I, I don't know exactly how it's What does different. that mean? Um, well, here, um, traffic, you know, you have to plan like two hours. It takes two hours sometimes to get places. And where I'm, where I'm from in Southern California, you know, an hour commute is, is too long. So that would be the, the key difference. But, you know, aside from that, um, you know, in San Diego, I, um, I, I did run. Um, uh, we, we biked on both on the road and on the trails. I pre- Do you bike here? I haven't yet. Uh, is there a reason? I'm afraid to ride my road bike on the road, uh, here, uh, only because I don't see a whole lot of bike lanes yet out, about, out by where I live. That's because there aren't any. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. I didn't miss them. Um, but mountain biking, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for mm. me to do that out there. And actually, uh, now that both of my kids are mountain biking, I do plan on mountain biking, um, out here. Um, and I do run out here and, um, in Southern California in high school, I did marching band. I was a, I was what a did you play? Flute, flute and clarinet. Uh, so I did that for a couple seasons. Um, you know, honestly, in high school, I wasn't as involved as I think I would be now. If I was the person I was now, I would be way more involved than I was the person I was back then. Why don't you think you weren't uh, as involved as what you're, you're thinking you would be now if you had this mindset? Um, honestly, I didn't really understand all that was available to me. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that's just from not knowing, you know, yearbook committee and, um, well, we didn't have 4-H club out there, but we had something similar. Um, all the high school sports and, you know, drama club and all the extracurricular activity. I just, I just didn't know that it was there. Uh, I say that now because I'm, I'm well aware of all the different programs that are available. So I could see myself if I could see myself being more involved. Well, in hindsight is 2020. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I don't think any of us uh, are the person we were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And uh, we have the benefit of knowing what we know now and how we might do things differently. And I think the reflection is important, but I, you know, I don't spend that much time on it personally. Not much I can do about it. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, like I said, you know, I, I went back to, I was telling my kids all of these things that they would, could, should need to do, and I wasn't doing it, but... Um, I found different ways to get involved in the community um, now that um, I feel like if I had started doing them in high school, I could have maybe done a little bit more where I was. But, you know, you got to accept where you are now and what you can do now. Well, you seem very athletic. Yeah. And uh, you like sports. I love sports. Is there one sport that you like better than another? Um, well, I love baseball. I do root for the Braves, except for when the Padres are in town. Um, I, are they a baseball team? Yes. Yes. We're actually pretty good this year. Um, 
And I do, I love football. I love to watch football. Um, College, NFL, either? I started with NFL because in Southern California, um, you know, that's, that's really what was more prevalent. But moving here uh, and recognizing that SEC is a, a thing, uh, that's... Uh, I, I'm, they play football in the SEC? San Diego State? No, no, no. But uh, I... No, I, I mean... Mm-hmm. There's football in the SEC, the yes. Southeastern Conference. Yes. This just in. Yes, just, yeah. Newsflash, SEC, college football. Um, and, and, and that's actually kind of a funny story, too. So when I when I landed here in Atlanta, uh, and I was warned, I was I was forewarned, SEC football is big down here. Yeah, college football is huge. So, you know. It is, yes. Um, I learned um, that you can wear red, and if it's the wrong shade of red... <laughs> you know, could start a conversation. Um, so I, I do enjoy watching a good, good college football game. Well, there's no shortage of that here with, uh, you know, certainly I, uh, you know, Alabama and Georgia, mm-hmm. um, Clemson. Um, I mean, I know Clemson's not in the SEC, but the football, the college football here is in the Southeast is extremely of, uh, of extremely high caliber. Yes. All kidding aside. Yeah, no, no. I, and like I said, I, I love it. And I, I, what I love about the the atmosphere is, you know, people are just genuinely engaged with their team. They know all the stats. They know the players. They know where they came from. They know what high school they came from. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and uh, the coaches. The coaches are are um, almost movie star status. Well, I, I, I'd say they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I'm very impressed with, uh, I'm, I'm a Nick Saban fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a big, I mean, I'm went to the university of Iowa. I'm a big 10 fan, but, uh, and they, they play very good football there. I think the sec football is ex- of extreme high caliber, but I, I do appreciate, you know, sort of being from the old school, how Nick Saban does things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's very disciplined. Uh, everybody has a job, everybody has to do it. And, uh, I, I think probably Kirby smart, probably because he used to coach with, Coach Saban, I probably does some of the same things, but there's a reason why those guys are so successful. I Absolutely. mean, it's, uh, they work very, very hard and they get great players. Both those programs get great players. Yeah. You talk about, uh, Nick Saban and being very, very disciplined and everybody has a role in, in there's a, there's a program, there's a process yeah. and he teaches that. And then he works with his players to get them engaged and plugged in. And, um, I think that's, that's a lot of that's a lot of where the success comes from. Well, I don't think either one of those guys is is uh, struggles with delivering the bad news either. Right. I mean, I think that they're they are where they are for a reason, and you know they're extremely disciplined. They they do attract talent. They do coach them up when they get them, uh, and so it's it's interesting to me to watch the the two those two programs in particular particularly because Kirby used to coach on, you know, Nick Saban's staff. And now they're, you know, it's sort of the uh, pupil that's, you know, taking on the, you know, the teacher. And that's certainly a story in and of itself. But, uh, uh, you know, there's four or five really strong SEC teams, it seems like, every year in the top 15 or 20 teams. And it certainly creates uh, incredible competition there. Yeah. Yeah, I um I do I do enjoy it. I do enjoy going into the shops and seeing, you know, the the Alabama, the Crimson Tide, the Georgia Bulldogs and just yeah, it it's uh it's definitely a culture down here, the SEC. What have you learned from watching sports, running, biking that you apply into what you're doing now? 
I love that question. So what I've learned is that small changes every day, the, the art of practicing. I know, I, I know it was in one of those movies, um, but that's why you play the game, uh, is on any given Sunday, anybody can win. And, um, um, what I've really learned from watching these sports is, you know, you, everybody has their gift. Everybody has their talent. And when we work as a team, um, to maximize, to highlight that talent, um, great things happen. Everybody has a role. Everybody, everybody participates. Everybody has a job, and great things happen from that. Well, I think on any team, uh, you know, you have folks that are you have players that are the most prepared. You have players that are the most talented. You have players that are disciplined, and then you have players that are unselfish. And it's rare. Sometimes you have players that have all of those mm-hmm. uh, uh, attributes, and I think that those. Those things are important in being part of any team and, and knowing your role. Right. Uh, you know, they, they we like to uh, deliver the quote of, hey, you know, making sure you've got the right people in the right seats. Yes. And everybody knowing what they're supposed to do. And right. that isn't as easy as sometimes it's made out to be. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really love about baseball um, is that, Baseball is a team sport that everybody gets a chance to um, be spotlighted when they're at bat, right? So the, when you're at bat, there's only one man at the plate swinging the bat. Uh, when in, but then when you're in the field, you, you play as a team. And so you're responsible for, um, you know, getting the three outs. And, and, and again, there's, there's just this, you know, if you got to get a man on base or you got to get the man over, you know, there's sacrifices, uh, sacrifice bunts and sacrifice hits and things like that. Anything you need to do to make, um, to make the, to, to score essentially. So that's one of the things I love about baseball is you can equally be counted as a team, but you also have your opportunity to shine. And I guess that's true in all sports. Um, but with baseball, it just seems a little bit more defined. Does that make sense? It does. I think that there is, there are certainly lessons to be learned playing a team sport. And the lessons sometimes can be different, in my opinion, uh, if you're you know, competing in an individual sport like track or golf or swimming or wrestling. I think that a lot of those concepts are the same. But, uh, you know, if you're out there, you know, uh, if, you're in bo- if you're a boxer, mm-hmm. no one else is going to keep you from getting hit except you. Right. Uh, in, in the training and all the things that, that you did prior to getting into the ring certainly have an impact on how well you perform. But I think that there are lessons uh, in my experience that can be learned from being on a team as well as uh, being on an individual, being in an individual sport. Right. And a lot of times the conditioning that a player will go through in order to be the best, to do his or her job the best, has something to do with their individual conditioning, whether it's running or swimming or biking. Um, so all of that contributes to making that individual stronger so that he or she can make his or her team stronger. You, you said something that resonates with me because I believe this fully. Um, there are there are certain there are things that you have to do every day. Yes in your relationships, personal or business or in your business and you may not like them but you must do them. Otherwise, at some point, uh, you have to, you, it ends up biting you. Right. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And putting them into a, a ritual 
something short. You know, there are three things that you do first thing you get up in the morning, and there are a couple things you you do to start your day. Uh, and then before your work day ends, there's a couple things that you kind of sh- you do to to sort of bring it down and prepare for the next day. Absolutely, there are there are yes. <laughs> I think it's I think it's really you know if you're going to run a race and uh, you know, like a marathon or a half marathon, there's a training schedule you have to follow, there's cross training, and there are things that you have to do in what is normally a four month lead up right. to, the, to the race to, to perform optimally. And I think the same is true in business. Yes, absolutely. And um, right now I have a very good friend who's training for an Ironman. And uh, so that's the whole run, bike and swim. And I said, hey, I'll help you out with the run. Uh, as I get a little bit better on the bike, I'll, I'll help you on the bike. And if I ever get in the water, I'll help you with the swim. But helping, you know, just plugging into that and, and being accountable to helping somebody else um, has helped me in so many ways. First of all, it keeps me on a schedule to kind of to do those things. And it's actually given me something to reach for, which is to swim. But the same thing with business. Do you find, uh, do you exercise before or after work? I prefer to do it first thing in the morning uh, for two reasons. One, it um, gets it out of the way. I can check that box and move on. And frankly, it um, it gives me the energy I need. Yeah. The motivation clears my head and, and sets the table for all the other things I need to get done that day. Do you find that exercising before work helps you process things? Yes, because it gives me time to think. Um, you know, I get up, I... I uh, literally put my clothes right next to my bed so there's no way around it. I put my workout clothes on first. I put my running shoes on and then I go downstairs. I drink water. I open the door so that fresh air comes in and I have no choice. I have no choice to, to go out that door. And uh, and what and time is this that you do this? Uh, usually 5.30 in the morning because I got to get back and, and uh, you know, drive the mom bus and uh, get get to work. Yeah. I, I found too that it's effective to uh, do it in the morning, uh, simply because uh, it it's a great lead into the day. Uh, I find that it's it provides a great forum to process things, good, bad, and indifferent. And sometimes uh, when you're running your own company, there can be high points, there can be low points, and medium points. And I think that to whatever extent you can, a business owner or an executive or a professional has to have that regeneration. They have to have that self, uh, resetting button, if you will. And, and for that, that really helps me. Absolutely. Um, and do you find, cause I think you, you work out in the morning as well. Do you I find do. that it, uh, it kind of sets the tone for your day? It does. Uh, I, I, I like it. Um, I think that it, things don't seem, there's a lot of things that you have to do every day and they don't seem, uh, as difficult. I think on days that I make sure I go to the gym, uh, but that's that's just me personally. And plus, I think it helps me process things. Yes, I, I would agree with that. And um, I try to mix it up a little bit. So I will set myself many challenges. So for 2019, I have decided that um, every 30 days I was going to do one thing for 30 days in a row and then switch it up. So in January, uh, I set a goal to run 5K a day. And I did it. I did it with in a combination of um, on the treadmill, outside, started in the beginning doing it whenever I felt like it, but 
you know, by, by day 10, I started doing it first thing in the morning. And I found that I got a lot of things done and just, I, I got a lot of things yeah. done in January. So it, it really helps. Now my stretch goal, and I'm saying this in front of a lot of people right now, so I got to make it happen. So my stretch goal is for June to get in the pool every single day and swim. Um, for people who know me know that that's really, really difficult. But again, you got to set those goals. You've got to, you know, not be afraid to, to try something new. Well, I think it was Eleanor. It wasn't Eleanor Roosevelt that said you should do something every day that scares you. Yes. Yes. I think it was her. Yeah. Sounds like an Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, it sounds like, it sounds like her. Well, there's something about conquering something that you may have some trepidation about and doing it. Uh, it may be surprising yourself and maybe that muscle, right? Because, uh, if you encounter something else that, uh, you may have some trepidation on or some hesitation, you can recall something else that you had similar feelings about and realize, Hey, I, I was able to overcome that. I was able to succeed in that. And, you know, you go back to those thoughts and it helps you with the next thing. Absolutely. In fact, you know, now that you say that there are three or four things that I had been incredibly afraid to do. Um, and once I made it a priority on my list to do that first thing in the morning, um, about 75% of the time I found out that what I was afraid of was um, made up. Yes, it was a big lie. I had no need to feel afraid of that. So when I now that, that's true, by it the is way. true. It, and for me, it was about 75, 80% of the time. My fear of it was way worse than the actual outcome. And then in the remaining 20% that, you know, maybe it was as bad as I thought, I found that, you know, once you buckle down and just dealt with it or handled it, I was better off because of it. And so I, I'm, I can say now that I'm a whole lot less afraid of things, um, or if I'm afraid of them, I'm not afraid of them for long. So just learning how to deal with those head on. Um, so yeah. So we'll, and the, well, the sooner you address those things and get an outcome, uh, you know, the the you can put it behind you, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, I found that to be very helpful. And I think exercising in the morning helps for me to lend the perspective that I need. That uh, I used to have a coach that would tell me, you know, Rick, you're not as good as you think you are but you're not as bad as they say you are. Yes. And I think uh, working out and those things helps sort of process those things and helps you sort of be more objective about those things that involve you. And don't you find that when you work out, um, your best today may not be as good as it was yesterday or may not be as good as tomorrow. So really <clears throat> what you need to do is do your best today yeah. uh, or do your best right now and, and understand that your best right now may not be the very best. Well, that's part of that, that, that's part of the discipline, but it's also part of accepting the fact that, you know, a day in, in, in the office, you may have a great day and that may be followed by a day that's not so good. I mean, that's anything. And, uh, the, really the key is to exercise when you're not, when you don't want to do it. Right. I mean, that's what discipline is. Right. To set that time and make yourself do it. And that's why it, it helps for me to see the plan on paper. But it also helps to have accountability partners who will ring you, text you, um, come to your house and pull you out of bed if needed to to get out on the trail or get in the pool or get your bike out. Um, and I, I find that it helps me more accountable if I put up 
it put out up front, um, oh, the, the excuses. So if I say, well, I can't really bike because I don't know how to change my tire. Somebody Actually, say, that makes two of us. Yeah. I don't know how to change a tire either. Okay. A so, bike tire. Right. So they can say. Um, but I can call you, though, if I'm out on the trail and absolutely, I need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or if you say, hey, Christina, I need to run three miles tomorrow. You know, text me at, at 9 a.m. and make sure I've done it already. I'll text you at 5 a.m. to make sure you're up. And I'll text you at 530 to make sure your shoes are on. Uh, so uh, if you need an accountability partner <clears throat> like that, call me. Well, I've, I, I've, and knowing you. I don't see accountability uh, as an issue, and I, that's obviously a, a great trait to have in what you're doing. Uh, having um, a ritual, I've heard that. You know, ritual could be working out. It could be, you know, sort of how you plan your day. All of those things are important in any business to experience and sustain success. Absolutely. What are the things that you do every day in your business, and, and how are you getting your clients? What do I do in my business every single day? Um, I make a lot of phone calls. I call a lot of people and I ask them what I can do for them because... And how is that received? Um, <clears throat> most of the time, it's received very well. Uh, I think that in this, uh, you know, I'm in the service industry. Uh, so really, I, I feel at my best when I feel like I'm being of help to somebody else. And that's not necessarily writing an insurance policy. It could just be something. They need a cup of coffee. They need to bounce an idea off of somebody. So when I start my day, I make a list of 10 people to call, and I ask them, what can I help you with today? And it might not be something I can do, but I definitely don't know that unless I ask. Um, and I like to do that because it, it, it opens up my mind and it, it puts a bookmark there so that when I hear that, when I'm out and about, I hear something, I'm like, I make a connection. So that's, that's one of my rituals. It's like I make a list of 10 people to call first thing in the morning and ask them, what can I do for you today? Yeah, I think connecting with people is really important. I mean, um, I think we meet a lot of people, but really the differentiating point is, and I've realized this after you know, 19 or 20 years uh, having my company that it's very important to me to have a connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's, it's difficult to uh, get things done uh, effectively if there isn't. Yes. And I can say in the time that I've known you, you are great at connecting. Um, and you, you, know, you just have a good way about you. Corey. That really came out well. I was on, <laughs> even unsolicited. Did you see that? <laughs> Well, it's true. It's absolutely true. I mean, um, when I meet people for the first time, like I said, you know, I said it earlier, uh, you know, love people or meet people where they are. Um, and I think I also said that uh, I genuinely like people. I almost even like them more, I think, when they're not like me. Um, because, you know, there's some reason that we're all on the same planet together. There's some reason why we have run into each other's past. There's a reason that we met. And I, I look for that reason. And it might be something that I can help you with, or it might be something you can help me with, or we might have some future mission together. We just don't know it yet. Well, I think it's important. You come off as being very unselfish. I think that's a, an excellent trait as a business owner, and certainly as somebody that's in a service industry to think of others first. Um, what kind of client is an ideal client for you? Um, an ideal client for me is someone who wants to take the time to understand, you know, what, what we're doing. So if you're buying a home or if you're buying a car, you need to understand about excess coverage, excess liability coverage. It doesn't seem like people really 
understand that and have implemented that. Tell us why you think that's important. Um, I think that for a lot of people, they they feel like they know they have to have insurance uh, either to drive the car or to have a house. They need they know they need to have it because someone told them they need to have it, but they don't really understand why they need to have it or how it protects them. And, uh, you know, we just get wrapped up in, in, in getting things done. You know, we've, everybody's busy, everybody's got something to do and they just want to get it done. They want to get it done on time. And, and that's fine. I'm, I'm absolutely good with plugging into doing that. Um, but I want to have a conversation, just say, Hey, okay, I've got to write this policy for you. Uh, this is what we're going to do because it needs to get done. We need to sit and talk about what this is so that you know how you're covered. Um, so an ideal client for me is somebody who wants to take that time. It doesn't have to be a long time. It certainly doesn't have to be a long drawn out process, but just someone who's willing to, to listen, to understand and to, um, ask questions. I love clients who ask questions because I know they're listening. I know they're paying attention when they're asking questions. Well, it makes your job easier. They're going to ask questions. And then I think it's uh, advantageous for the two of you. If, if you can see the light come on with the client, knowing that they understand what, you know, knowing that they're, you know, picking up what you're putting down. Absolutely. And one of the things that I do with all of my clients is I walk them through the process. So regardless of where that customer came from, we're going to get what they need to get done, done, and we're going to get it done on time. And I'm going to tell them, I said, here, we're going to do this. And this is why I'm doing it. And I said, once this is done and you go do step two or step three, you may or may not remember everything I told you. So here's my phone number. Here's my contact information. When you have that question or when that scenario comes up, I want you to call me and make sure that you understand, you know, because a lot of, there's a lot of information all the time and people need to be reminded or they need to be checked. So I, I make sure that they understand, listen, when this comes up, because it will, or when you have a question about that, make sure you call me. I want them to be very, very comfortable that they reach out uh, to do that. Um, And then, you know, I'll say, uh, I'll call you after, you know, I'll call you next month to make sure everything went as as I thought it should. And I ask for permission to call them, you know, to contact them. But I absolutely make them aware that they, they should they should call or they should check in. So it seems like education is a very, very important part of your process. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Um, people don't know what they don't know. So if they, they can't ask the right questions, they, they don't necessarily understand. They might not have been exposed to it. So, you know, when we sit down, I say, hey, tell me what you, tell me what you know. And if you don't know anything, that's okay. And um, we even when they say, oh, yeah, I've bought 12 houses before. I know all about homeowner's insurance policy. Okay, great. Let's talk that through for a second. Just to make sure that what they know and what I know is indeed the same. We're on the same page. And then we go from there. And then it's a conversation. Well, people that are educated, I think, make better decisions. And I think maybe are uh, better long-term clients, better long-term care fits. Uh, because then everything is sort of out on the table. There's no rushing. And you're able to really spend the time with them that you need to, to in order to do what's best for them. Right. And, and uh, understand that sometimes people's needs change or what they thought or, or maybe even what I thought they needed was not exactly accurate. And the only way to, to get that out on the table is to talk, to have a conversation. Um, tell me what you want to know more information about, because if I don't know it, I will find out for you and I will put you in touch with those people because, uh, you know, informed consumers are happier, um, they're more comfortable and, you know, not only are they better, they're better clients are, they're just in a, they're just in a good spot. 
you know, they need to they they need to know they need to know that you know the choices that they make and how it will impact them later on. Um, they need to know that, and so education, absolutely. What is the most challenging thing about what you do? Um, trying to get people to understand that value is not always um, cheap, honestly. Um, I am a, you know, I'm a broker, so I'm going to find the best policy for the best coverage for you all for the best price all the time. Why is being a broker in your business relevant? Because I'm not beholden to any one company. Uh, I truly am acting on the best interest of both the consumer and the carrier. Uh, not everybody is a great fit for a carrier. Not every carrier uh, can provide the best coverage for the customer. Uh, so essentially, um, I'm looking out for everyone involved. I have no ties to any one company. That's that's the biggest advantage of, of working with a broker. So it seems like it would be fair to say that you're a conduit between the client and whatever carrier best meets their needs, and you don't really have any sort of preconceived ideas about where the business may go. Um, every carrier is probably a little bit different about what they're comfortable with, and you're able to connect the client to the right insurance carrier. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking to carriers, both the underwriters and the product managers, and helping them understand what's going on in our particular community, but also to understand where they're competitive, what they're looking for right now, what services they've got coming down the pipeline that might be a good fit for a customer. So um, it's just an exchange of ideas and products and services. And, and I think that when you've got that kind of competition and you've got somebody looking out for you, um, you'll, always, <coughs> you'll always have the best, um, the best of both worlds for both the carrier and the, and the end user. What do you like best about what you do? Um, honestly, talking to people. I, I, Gee, I never would have picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's shocking, right? Um, I genuinely like uh, helping people. You know, um, I, I'm, a, I'm in sales. I've been in sales for a really long time. And, uh, you know, insurance happens to be the, the vehicle in which I help people right now. But honestly, at the end of the day, you know, I know it sounds a little heavy handed to say, but you want somebody like me looking out for you because I do genuinely care. Uh, not to say that nobody else cares. I'm just saying that, um, you know, I treat everybody like they're my best friend or, you know, my next door neighbor or somebody in my family. Uh, that way it can always feel good uh, that I, I know that I did I did the best I could. But really, it's it's helping people understand what they don't know, because I didn't know a whole lot of insurance before I came into the business. I didn't did that matter? Um, in hindsight, no, because, uh, I, you know, I ramped up quickly. I, um, it, it might've even worked to my advantage because I didn't have any preconceived notions. So I understood what it was supposed to do. And so now I can move forward with that's what it's going to do. <laughs> well, I think that that's uh, advantageous to me. All of the time that you spent in customer service to me lends itself to, uh, being, a great factor in how you go about your day. Uh, certainly having the business experience, uh, having worked for someone else, having uh, the experience there and having made mistakes on someone else's dime before you got to yours uh, right. is advantageous. But really how you are with people, I get loud and clear that you really care about people, you're unselfish, and um, I think you genuinely like people. All those things in the service 
uh, industry add up to, to being very good at what you do? Thank you. And, uh, you know, I do have, uh, I do have, a, it's funny, at my desk, I, I have hanging on the wall uh, opposite of me is actually an apron. And it's a branded apron, you know, it says Brightway, the Fitzpatrick Agency, and we use it when we go to events. But really, I keep it there to remind myself that I'm in the service industry. So um, you're not, you know, when a customer comes in or somebody refers somebody to me, they're not doing me a favor. I mean, I'm not doing them a favor. They're doing, you know, I, I have the opportunity to help and serve. And so, you know, whatever I'm doing, you know, whether it's insurance or if I'm, you know, hanging out with the kids or helping somebody coach their team or pitching in for a, a service project or setting up a cocktail party, you know, I'm here to, to help. That's, uh, I, you know, just I, I wake up every morning and say, what, what good can I do today? I know that sounds kind of... Uh, Pollyanna-ish, but it's true. It's like, okay, what good things? Actually, I don't do think it. I don't think it does. I think a lot of people that are out on their own. That's one of the first things. That may be one of the first things they think about is, hey, how can I? How can I get better today? Mm-hmm. I think if you're getting better in your business, I think you're probably helping more people. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest part for me is to just be able to get up every day and say, what do I get to do today? You know, it's not what do I have to do today. It's like, what do I get to do today? And that's a, that's a differentiator too, because obviously there are things you have to do every day, but I think if you frame it in your head as, Hey, what do I get to do today? I think it helps, uh, establish that gratitude early on and helps you to, uh, you know, get through the day and, and be more effective. Right. And, uh, I'm a, I'm a lists person. So I get up every morning and I say, yeah, I tell myself three things that I'm grateful for every day. And then I review my list of the, what were you grateful for today? Um, I was grateful this morning for beautiful weather. Uh, I don't know if anybody else noticed it out there. It was like 73 with a nice little breeze going on. It was no humidity, no humidity, no rain. Absolutely. Um, I was, um, you know, as grateful that I woke up and I felt good. Yeah. Waking up beats the alternative. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I, I always laugh when people say, Oh, I'm getting older every year. And I said, what's the alternative? Getting older is Better than the alternative. Well, and I think getting old now uh, doesn't have to be the way it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think with all of the information out about nutrition and uh, uh, hydration, working out, mm-hmm. uh, everybody is in a position to live their best life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, nutrition and rest, hydration. Uh, One of the things that I had to get used to, you know, being a a business owner is uh, I have to send myself to bed early. I have to send myself to bed early so I can get up early and. And what time is that? 930. That's early ish. No, actually, that's I am in touch with that emotion. Okay. And it's funny how early on uh, back when I was a, a rug rat. Some time ago, when I used to sort of uh, discuss with my parents, which really entailed them saying, you will be home by 11. Mm -hmm. And I would always try to shine them into, come on, mom, 1130. Nope. Uh, 1145. Nope. 11. You can stay out as long (laughs) as you like, as long as you're home by 11. Right. And now it's kind of a luxury to say, gee, can we, you know, say to my wife, hey, can we go home. Oh yeah. I totally want to go home and it'll yeah. be nine fifteen. And people are looking at us like, what's wrong with you people? Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, it's funny how that changes over time. Uh, you know, sort of going, going to bed early as opposed to staying, uh, staying out late. Yeah, no, I, uh, I welcome a night in 
uh, whenever I can get whenever I can get it. And uh, I just find that when I'm when I'm well rested, if I go to bed early, I'm well rested in the morning. Makes getting out the door to exercise. Well, you perform easier. better. Absolutely, I perform. I perform way better when I have when I have sleep and rest. What charities do you feel strongly about? Well, when I got here to Atlanta 18 months ago, um, I really didn't know where to plug in. But one of my my you know I'm passionate about a couple things. I'm passionate about helping the um, the underserved, the homeless. I'm passionate about helping veterans, um, but mostly right now I'm I'm passionate about um, kids. I think that you know when you invest the time and energy into the kids, it makes for better adults. It makes for um, you know just a, a better society in general. So I feel like okay, let's grab them when they're young and let's teach them how to do some of these things. So right now, um, I'm working with the Marietta Police Athletic League, the PAL program. Mm. Um, What's that? It is uh, the Police Athletic League is actually a, is a nationwide. It's all over the country, but Marietta Pal is is um, it's an after school program. It's a summer camp um, that serves that serves the uh, kids in in Marietta City Schools. They do boxing programs and cheerleading and track and uh, all these all these programs are coached by uh, volunteer police officers and and uh, teachers. So yeah, another way those those two folks give back. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, what really drew me to it was uh, actually uh, was at a Marietta Business Association launch in 2017, and they were recognizing all the different programs um, in the city. And Marietta Pell came up, and they had a uh, um, they had a 5K coming up. And so, being a runner and uh, liking the kids and having having them you know run was something that I, I could really get involved with. And that was something I could plug into. I could. I felt like I could contribute. Didn't matter how many people I I knew or didn't know at that point. It was just something that um, we could do to, to to plug in. And I was really blown away by the dedication of the coaches and the staff to really um, their involvement with the kids is is awesome. And you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. It's interesting. I look back on uh, you know my growing up and uh, playing organized sports and. Uh, I look back, my sister and I speak about this, uh, you know, uh, repeatedly and think about the three or four people that have impacted your life. And, you know, in my case, they were teachers that happened to be coaches and uh, the people that you you mentioned the word dedication. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, athletics, uh, organized athletics really is uh, a great vehicle to develop and I think if somebody is coachable early on, I think that lends itself to being coachable later on. Yes, absolutely. And, and being coachable is uh, one of the things that um, I think is so important. And I didn't really understand the importance of being coachable until maybe a year or two ago, really, you know. What what made you, what what led you to that? Um, well, it's a it, couple things, actually. Um, you know, I'd never had any formal training running. I literally just got up one day, put my shoes on and, and started running. So I didn't run track. I've never had a training pro. I've never had a running coach and all those other things. And it coincided, you know, that's, you know, I'd started that 15 years ago. And so I found that when I had people who could help me, who would share their experiences of track or running or their running coaches and stuff, I, when I, when I employed some of those things, my running did actually get better. So 
that was the difference being willing, being able to be, to listen, but also take on what was being advised. And then coincidentally, my son started playing t-ball right, right around the same time. And, uh, you know, you got to hand it to the people who volunteer their time to coach little kids mm-hmm. because you get five, you get eight or 10, five or six year olds together, whether it's with a bat or a soccer ball or a football or a basketball, it's a little bit chaotic and you, you find out quickly who the coachable kids are and who aren't. And I think that the number one lesson that people should teach, um, is make sure your kid's coachable, you know, and you know, if you didn't have the benefit of being able to do organized sports as a kid, when you go into the workplace or when you go into something new, Hey, make sure your kid's coachable. Um, and even today, um, I, when I assess what I'm doing or I'm about to take on something new, I have to remind myself, make sure you're coachable. Even if you know your stuff, even though you've done it a thousand times before, I've got to leave a door open to make sure that I'm coachable. Cause I certainly don't know everything. And, um, and you can't possibly learn or grow if you're not willing to be coachable. Well, I think a lot of that, don't you think a lot of that starts at home? Yes. Uh, with the parents and the siblings. Uh, and I think if you have enough experience competing, it lends itself to not taking things that happen on a day-to-day basis personally. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm seeing that now with um, school sports and, and such now, or even, you know, science fairs and things like that. It's like, you're not going to win them all. And it's okay. And in fact, um, you know, you you don't want them to win it all because if that's all they know, then and then uh, there's no room for growth there. There's yeah, I think if I think if, a, if someone is coachable, then I think it's really a question of uh, I, I I it's interesting. I, I watch how people say, "Do you have the will to win?" Well, everybody I know has the will to win, but what separates people is if they have the will to prepare. Right, and a lot of people are not willing to do that. And whatever that involves. And, and you look at, like, I love, I love the NFL. You look at how Walter Payton prepared. Mm-hmm. You look at how Jerry Rice prepared. And those guys did all their weightlifting and their training, and they came to camp in shape in a time when a lot of guys used camp to get in shape. Right. And, and so that's one of the reasons that, in my opinion, why they were so successful is they, it's what they did when people weren't looking. Right. Right. I, I agree with that. Um, I was going to add Philip Rivers in there, um, but only because I'm a, I'm a Charger fan. But watching these people um, get ready to play and compete, Tom Brady, that's another one. Um, you know, watching the film and doing the things that they don't have to do um, because they've earned the right not to have to do it anymore, but they, they do it every day. They show up to and camp I think, every day. And uh, I think Tom Brady would say, I haven't earned anything. Yeah. I want to earn it every day. Right. And I think that... You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of his uh, for obvious reasons, but also because uh, I think he was the 199th player taken in the the 99 or 2000 NFL draft, and there was five or six quarterbacks taken ahead of him. And in fact, there was a uh, something on ESPN. I think they call it the Brady Six, and it talks mm-hmm. about the lives of those six quarterbacks that were taken before him. And he's 41 or 42 years old, still playing at an extremely high level, but. 
he really works hard. He works hard and his dedication hasn't wavered and his passion hasn't wavered. Um, and he, he brings it every day. And that's, that's really what it takes. Even when you don't feel like it, you got to bring it every day. And I think he is also very unselfish. I think that he could command more money. Uh, it would be difficult for me to uh, pay an NFL player more than him. But he says, hey, I, I, if I take less money, I can get better players around me. Right. And I think he's he may be unique in that, uh, yeah. you know, in that assertion. Yes, you're right. I, I never really thought about it from the unselfish standpoint. You know, I've, I've always been really focused on his passion and his dedication and, and, and the work that he puts in. But you're right. He, he is unselfish because he knows that, he, you know, he can't protect himself on the line if he doesn't have good players around him. Well, and I think he's, he's worked incredibly hard, uh, but, you know, love, love talking about the sports references. And I think that there are, there is crossover preparing the discipline, the basic blocking and tackling the basic things you have to do every day. You mentioned calling 10 people, Mm -hmm. but I think having sort of a servant's mentality, which I picked up that you have, I think that's advantageous being neutral in how you help people, I think is a differentiator. Um, you've been selected to be on the show because, uh, because of your expertise, but also because you're different. What do you think sets you apart from the next person that does what you do? Um, well, I've, you know, I know a lot of people who are doing what I'm doing and I, you know, I've had the privilege of meeting other, other insurance agents and brokers and things. And, um, you know, honestly, I don't know that I'm I'm really different. I think most of us come with the, the idea that we're going to help somebody today or we're going to provide a service. Um, I think what really makes me different, not just in this, but in general, honestly, has been my mindset. Uh, I get up every day, and I and I know I've said this earlier, but it, it bears, it, you know, it's, it's worth repeating. I get up every morning and every moment, even in the tough times, I say, I get to do this. You know, and it could be something as mundane as I get to, you know, pick my kid up off the bus at three o'clock every day, um, you know, but but I get to. And and, you know, if you stop in just that moment and recognize that, gosh, I wonder how many other parents would like the opportunity to do that, but they can't for whatever reason it is. And, you know, you take that with every with everything you do. So, you know, I've got a couple tough things on my desk right now and, and I could easily just say, I really don't know if I can do this today, but I don't think that way. I think I get to do this today. I get to take this on today. I get to make phone calls to find out how to get this done today. Um, and have to do it quickly because if I can't do it, I have to make that phone call to say, Hey, you know, we might be better served, you know, doing it, doing it somewhere else. So I would say really it's, um, you know, my mindset, I, I get to do it every day. Um, and frankly, I just, I love being where I'm at, wherever that is, you know, whether it's here in Atlanta or, um, in San Diego, I just enjoy being where I'm at doing what I'm doing. Well, I think also what I would add to that is that, uh, you're very much, uh, about serving others. And my experience with you, you really like people, uh, your customer service experience comes through loud and clear. I think the fact that you're grateful for the opportunity to do uh, this, as you have said, and hey, I get to do this. That's a that's a much different position than, hey, I, I have to do that. And I get that loud and clear with you. Um, if you could give the younger version of Christina some advice, what would that be? Um, I would say 
to younger Christina, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Even if you fail and fall on your face, at least you're falling forward. That would be the first thing. And then the other thing I would tell young Christina is um, progress over perfection. So to fight my OCD tendencies to make sure everything looks perfect, I would just say progress over progression. And uh, I'm sorry, progress over perfection. Incremental improvement. Incremental improvement. And, you know, just this morning I was talking to somebody. I said, listen, if you want to move mountains, you got to move stones every day. Got to move a stone every day, you know, and that would be it. Did you get better today? Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, I know uh, I get better just by, you know, being with people who are better than me. If I'm if I'm the smartest person in the room, I am in the wrong room. So, um, you know, that's definitely that's definitely something that that makes me different. I want to be in the room where I'm not the smartest person in the room. If there was a young lady that wanted to follow your arc, your career track, what would you tell her? I would tell her, um, figure out who you are and go find your people. So, you know, in our business and in any of our businesses, it, it, you know, we need to know people. We need to meet people on a regular basis. We need to meet new people. We need to get to know them. And all of that's fantastic. And what I would say is figure out who you are and then go find people like you. And then that way you can do great things together. Well, Christina, uh, you know, congratulations on all your successes. Uh, I, I think that uh, you've done a great job of applying what you've learned and and carrying it over into your business, and certainly continued success. You've been a great guest for the show. If the listenership wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do it? Uh, they should call my office. My phone number is seven seven zero. I'm sorry, I just went blank. Seven seven zero eight six three eight four six three is my direct line. Um, they can do that, or they can look us up on uh, the internet, Brightway the Fitzpatrick Agency. Or is there an email address or yes. a, a website? Yes, my email address. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is Christina at Brightway Well, Christina, thank you again for being part of the show. You've been a great guest and and continued success. Thanks so much for being on the show. Well, Corey, thank you so much for inviting me. And Sanjay, thank you for, um, you know, doing all the sound check stuff. Of course. Um, But I really, really appreciate um, being a guest on your show. Thanks so much. And that wraps up another episode of Tuesdays with Corey with your host, Corey Rick. This show is brought to you by our great friends at the Long-Term Care Planning Group. Thank you, Christina, again for joining us today in the station. And that'll be it. 